0: Their quarterback can feel a and drop. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them. no one else. If we say it, that we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised. Viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been
1: warned.
0: We could be we might be we are live welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of appropriate ages to the I'm no Joe YouTube channel welcome to the latest episode of the I'm no Joe podcast where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo as you know if it's Thursday us it's I'm no Joe we are your home for all things punchy kicky this is the i'm no joe podcast thank you for tuning in to this our latest episode the long awaited some may even say most anticipated show of the year so far but before we get into that we have got a couple of folks here to help get into the shenanigans and break down this shit talking with me here as i kick my fucking camera because you know we're live uh first and foremost uh the interim new guy strap holder as it were by de facto uh the young gunner himself the facially follically challenged one rj how you doing buddy
2: doing pretty good man got a lot of interesting shit to get into tonight news recent events and the fight itself so oh oh, we do (laughs) so very excited oh
0: yeah glad you can make it brother And then, as is the case more often than not, across the octagon from myself, my Wednesday night homeboy, my combat shit-talking compatriot, the one and only Golf T-Vapes. How you doing, brother?
3: Live kicking, ready to get this underway. Um, There's a lot going on, so I have a feeling it's going to be a late night with very little sleep to me, which really kind of is a bummer, but you know, hey, it is what it is.
0: I salute your. i salute your commitment sir i appreciate it um tonight and most likely next week as well we will be minus one freshest guest on the planet uh he is moving into his new abode so congrats to our homeboy and uh hopefully when we get him back we will get a fancy new background to see his lovely face and and get his predictions from so uh, that being said we have got some uh, news to get into for sure but um, as we've done recently at least um, I want to give a quick little rundown of a few things that happened last weekend and then we will look at some of the medical suspensions that were announced for it and then we will break on through to the other side as it were um, so first and foremost i um, For those who didn't know, including myself or might have forgotten, we got a reminder last weekend, uh, Alexis Davis's old ass can still wrassle. Not only can she still get it, that gal was out there giving it. Uh, She was putting on a hell of a damn show. I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. I legitimately did not think she still had that in her. And she showed everyone, including my big mouth ass, that I was very fucking wrong. And so be it um we kind of knew it was going to go that way uh mr moises went out there and just showed that alexander hernandez is not on the fucking level yet no matter how much shit he might talk he still ain't there yet uh props to tiago uh, well done sir um Another one that we said was a damn good possibility and it sure turned out to be the case. Uh, Bruce Leroy showed the fuck up last weekend Uh, showed up and showed out that man put on a fucking show Um, props to that man, Um, but. I do think, based on the way that it all went through, he might have hurt himself in the process of getting that triangle locked in. There was something real strange about the way that he completely bailed in the middle of a perfectly locked in and seemingly about to create the finish move like that and just
3: not addressing it. He addressed it later on. Did he? i didn't catch that yeah he did a post fight interview with i forget who and i don't remember if it was the day after or so but he said he was worried about his legs gassing so he decided to let go at that point and pull back the guard which apparently it was partially a gassing thing but he also said he felt um his head starting to slip too so it was a there was a tactical move there position over submission. And now that doesn't mean he didn't hurt himself. That might just be the story he's saying so nobody knows right. he was hurt. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I felt his head slipping. Yeah, because my fucking knee popped. Yeah. No, it if you go back and watch that
3: replay. Yeah, because it was pretty deep for him to say that, but I was like, you know what? I'll take your answer. Maybe you were worried about your legs gassing or fucking maybe you did feel something that none of us saw right i mean that's possible i mean you're in a pretty tight space there you can feel pretty those pretty small movements
0: so if he was starting to slide loose and we just couldn't see it because the angles that we got it from uh, i could see that as well um i'm still suspect but you know hey I'm
3: hoping he didn't hurt himself, not with the way he showed I, up and the amount of I agree. sounds that he stopped.
0: Ugh. I agree. That man was just stuffing them like a Thanksgiving turkey last weekend. It was kind of ridiculous. Like, he just said no every fucking time. No. <laughs> so, you know, hey, props to him. I, I legitimately hope he did not hurt himself. But, man, if not, he chose a very strange way to bail. I'll say that. Um, Pedro 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 um, I will say this for those who did not realize or did not know Pedro Munoz can stick to a goddamn game plan and when that game plan is kick his leg out from underneath him boy you better start checking him early and often because if you don't you end up doing the stanky leg like Jimmy did. Uh, He spent half that fight trying to run away and the other half that fight trying to get that fucking leg to work again so he could run away some more. Um, It was bad news bears from the early onset. As soon as Pedro noticed, he hit him with one and you saw a little ha 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 in the ring, in the moment, like Pedro saw that one. That's the one that got you right there. That's the spot. Cool. We're going back there all fucking night and he did and jimmy had no fucking answer for it uh and he was the fucking plus 125 underdog in that match for some reason um i i don't understand how or why vegas would have said that but you know what (laughs) dumbasses um moving on from there um it was Late in the match, but Montana got her fucking eye popped. Just blown smooth the fuck out. That shit looked like a piece of grocery store fruit when that match was all said and done. Um, I will say when it was on the ground, for the most part, she was handling fucking business. But we say it all the time every every round of every fight starts on the feet and if the ground is the only place you're good people will start avoiding going to the ground with you at all and make you really pay for it not just get
3: caught with a couple of clean ones like she did you know i said that last week i said her stand-up game is not improved as much as people think it has and that was living proof last week because to be honest In my opinion, she looked like absolute dog shit. That was the one fight where I said I didn't talk about it. I was like, other than the fact that her stand-up really wasn't that good, because I'm sick of seeing these fucking... Let's put these um, sub-top-15 fighters in a people's co-main event or something that's not... Um, people's coming event worthy this should have been the Pedro Munoz Jimmy Rivera fight in my opinion right, right. there at uh, that because uh, that was it was an ugly fucking fight they should have been the people's coming event not Montana De La Rosa and Silva that was fucking trash just an ugly fight to watch but the one thing I will say had it not been for the cage grab we would have seen a different outcome
0: I agree and I have to her credit Uh, Silva came out immediately on social media and said that she thought that that was bullshit because, to her credit, in the second round, there was an exchange on the ground where Montana got on top and landed a couple of ground and pound shots that were absolutely beyond the back of the ear. Those were clearly at least two or three back of the head shots, and the ref literally gave her two or three warnings. I don't remember if it was two or three, but in the moment, he was like, watch the back of the head, and she did it again, and he goes, watch the back of the head, and she did it again, and he goes, so I, I think that's when he gave her the hard warning, but she got away with a couple of back of the head shots, whereas the first time Silva grabbed the fence, she got a point taken, and I understand if that's how you're going to play it, everybody gets a point every time they fuck up, or everybody gets a warning, and, and I, understand I
1: understand
0: that, but The couple of lighter back of the head shots that Montana landed were not as significant, in my opinion, as that clear life-saving cage grab that kept her from having her ass handed to her right out of the gate. So I I see both sides of it, but even then, I still agree with the
3: point taken away. The way the refs are supposed to call that, if it's a cage grab and it doesn't stop a takedown or improve a position, give them a a warning. Right. however if it obviously stops a takedown and it clearly fucking it did. obviously stops the improvement of position right then it's an automatic point uh with pack of the head strikes those are kind of subjective because you know you kind of got to give them a warning in the heat of the moment people might not always be paying attention that's why you heard the and, couple and then the stern. yeah <laughs> and honest, the movement too I'm, so i'm perfectly yeah. all right with that because you know what you're fighting. You're you're fucking fighting. There. That's all there is to it. You're not thinking. Oh well, if this person turns their head to the left, I'm just going to hit them in the back of my fuck in the back of the head because you can't see what they're going to do. Exactly. Now, uh, after that second shot where she hit it in the back of the head, and she heard the second time that should have been enough to go, oh hey, okay, let's switch, come from the other direction, something. Yeah, you know? switch sides, something exactly. Yeah. So at that point, yeah, I see the stern warning. Not point worthy, because to be honest, her ground upon is fucking terrible yeah that's and that's exactly why i said
0: i see both sides of it but at the same time it was not like she was doing and i like montana clearly but it was not like she was doing significant damage from that position in that moment i i agree as well with the the warnings and then the stern warning because it's not like any one of those punches if they would have landed clean on the cheek would have been fight changing even though they landed in the back of the head they weren't fight changing clearly because
3: silva was able to yell at the referee in the moment about it so I think the, for me, the greatest thing though, was seeing that automatic point deduction on the fucking takedown attempt for this reason that happens so goddamn often. And we don't see points taken for it and Agreed. it can completely change the outcome of a fight. Like that could have been the moment where Montana completely took over.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, she could she, have just well grabbed the wheel and
3: went It was it was, and she had plenty of time to work with too, because that was still early in the first.
0: Yeah, and uh, she was yeah. That was I agree. That was could have been the turning point, literally.
3: Yeah, that could have been the turning point that said, uh, yeah, I would have said, okay, I'll eat my fucking words. Montana is better than what she looked, but um, given um, Silva those extra couple of rounds because she didn't get taken down and dominated, it leads me to say. Montana's still not that great, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. I hope the rest of their referees were watching that and seeing how he immediately stopped the action point
1: so people understand it's not
3: okay. Look, we understand it's a, there's a mental thing in the back of your head that says, Oh, I'm going down. What can I do to stop this? Look, that's a natural reaction. Grab something to hold yourself up. But at the same time, you're a trained fighter. You know the rules. You're not supposed to do it. I get your right. act that it's, a, it's an involuntary muscle response because your body is always in self-preservation mode. That's right. how that works. So, But at the same time, I hope it's a good stern warning to the rest of the fighters on the roster, male or female alike. Yeah, it um, don't, don't matter. You can't do that if you're getting taken down. And I'm hoping more um, refs follow suit and actually do take points when that happens. I agree. I was like, I was kind of happy. I,
2: like, I even like it. I, I even I even like how Herb handled shit in the main event with uh, open hands, doing the John Jones move whenever Gon uh, would put his hands just out and, and and keep distance. Like it was just just in between rounds. I need you to keep your fingers closed. Stop doing this. That's a stern warning. Do it again. That's a point. Yep. Like, I even liked how he was handling it because it, it didn't it didn't fucking matter. He got one eye poke because his thumb was hanging out, and he fucking missed and fucking popped uh, R- Rosenstruck in, in, in the eye with his thumb. Complete accident. The ref knows that. Rosenstruck knew that. But, hey, fucking cut that shit out. Okay.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, And especially seeing that from Herb, who has, to say the least, been on rocky fucking terms lately with the uh, community at large. Uh, It was good to see him taking that shit seriously as well. Um, But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, um, stepping along here, hot diggity damn, uh, Ankolioff is just too fucking strong to be contended with by anybody that they have put him in front of yet um i'm not saying he's the best in the game but god damn it they ain't found nobody that can fucking stop him yet and they're starting to throw some serious fucking weight at him uh that young man is strong as shit uh he was powering through some serious takedown attempts getting thrown at his fucking ass and wasn't letting shit get away with it. he was like no 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 uh if that guy that's another one of those like he's starting to move um out of the prospect category in my opinion into the uh a couple more polished corners and this guy's going to be a legitimate fucking contender category uh we're starting to really see that he's not just a power puncher he can go the distance if he needs to he can stop adversity he can stick with a game plan and put his power to use smartly throughout the fight could be a serious fucking
3: problem for that division moving forward here and I think it's time that they give him um, a like a top six opponent. A respectable number? Yeah, a good respectable number. Because to be honest, he's fucking earned it. And <clears throat> the way he's powering through people, he's, he's there. I I, and I think he well deserves to be up there right now. I mean, until he proves otherwise. Right now, he's definitely proved it.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that motherfucker talk about letting your actions speak for you <laughs> that motherfucker's doing just that. And Hey, I'm watching, I'm paying the fuck attention. I ain't going to miss any of that dude's fights anytime soon. I'll tell you that fucking much. Um, but moving into the actual main um, zero gone, just like we said earlier, was using a little bit of Jones-esque techniques, but managed to stay at range and keep himself completely out of danger for the most part for that entire fucking fight. Um, now, he didn't land the most damage in the process of doing that. Um, he could have absolutely been a little less gun-shy. He probably could have gotten a lot more shots in. based on the reactions that he was getting. But he did manage to almost Floyd Mayweatherly stay out of range of everything that was thrown at him or stay just on the edge of everything that was thrown out at him and threw some good fucking clean counters in the process. Um, the problem was he wasn't fighting to win, in my opinion. He was fighting to point his way to a decision, knowing that if he stayed, at range, he could keep it at his pace and do this for five rounds and never really be in danger like other people who have fought Jarzinho have been. And that's kind of exactly what he did because for whatever reason, Rosenstreich was just afraid to pull the trigger. We did not see one uh, standard issue, I guess, uh, Rosenstreich, you know, charge across the fucking cage with those Nganu like fucking uppercuts that we have seen him throw before. Uh, we didn't really see him put much, you know, hard pressure against Cyril in that whole fight, except for the time that Cyril had his hand out and it ended up with a fucking thumb to the eye. Uh, but, you know, credit to Cyril for doing what he needed to do to get that W, but that was really just a, a hop, skipping of my balls was hot away from a Lewis and Gano-esque boring level bullshit main event, in my opinion. Um, it didn't really bode well for either gentleman, I would say.
3: Um, my opinion, that fight went exactly the way that Cyril God wanted it to go. Uh, I look, love or hate the way that fight went. To be honest, I wanted more action, but at the same point, I understand why I you need to be defensive with um, Rosenstrike. That dude fucking puts people into orbit. The only other person that puts people into orbit like that currently in the heavyweight division is Francis Ngannou. Don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, we'll see a heavyweight put some people into orbit, but um, been a while since there's been those two. I mean, well, and Derek Lewis, of course, but um, right. I mean, so you got two, three big heavy hitters that just knocked teeth out of people. Sir Gunn did the right thing. He's quicker as a heavyweight than most heavyweights are. And he knows how to use both his kicks and his punches. I mean, he did a fantastic job uh, using the jab to maintain a good distance and keep, to be honest, Rosenstrike looked like he couldn't figure out Cyril at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. There was
3: something where it, things just weren't firing. Oh, uh, whether it pissed Dana White off or not, fuck Dana White. Right. I'll say it outright. I don't give a goddamn. Uh, To be honest, I was more impressed with Syrah gone than I think I've been in any of his previous fights. Because this shows he has the fight IQ to go in with a game plan, no matter how boring it is for the fans. Right. And accomplish what he's looking to accomplish, which is get the W. Look, Ws pay the fucking bills. That gets you that next bigger fight, even if it's a little bit boring. He's still going to get a higher ranked opponent. The ranks are going to change because of this. Right. So, to be honest, he did a fantastic job. Cyril gone. I'm on board that fucking train. Choo choo, motherfucker. Let him go. Um, Rosenstrike, you hit way harder than that. You should have been swinging for the fucking fences. And to be honest, what I was waiting for was that fifth round and Rosenstrike just having fucking nothing and going heyday, but he never let loose. Yep. It was like he was stunned in a state of. Uh, what do I do? Like, he just didn't get out of bed this morning. Yep. And one thing I will say, uh, to his
0: credit, it might not be the most brag-worthy uh, tidbit, but I think this was the first fight we have seen Rosenstroke in that he did not throw a single head kick. He threw a couple of different body kick attempts. He threw a bunch of low kick attempts when Gon was throwing kicks at him, but he did not even attempt a single head kick. That's one of the things, legitimately, that Jairzinho Rosenstroke is known for. He is a 265 pound man who can put his full fucking body weight into a six foot four reaching head kick and lay you the fuck out with it. And he didn't even try one against Ciro. I think that's the only fight he's had since he signed with the UFC that that happened like i said not the biggest tidbit but for a heavyweight world-class kickboxer to not throw a single head kick that's kind of something that it means there was something going on more than we saw i think
2: yeah definitely yeah. i mean even by his movements and the opening of uh, 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 of the fight Rosenstrike strike just something just wasn't there either he wasn't feeling it or something just wasn't there. Something was, something was off because he just wasn't. He wasn't moving like he usually does whenever he's in the octagon. He just wasn't moving right. As far as, as 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 Gon went, he fucking fought intelligently. Not a lot, not a lot of big heavyweights that are up there in the upper echelon fighting people like Rorison, and Ganu, Lewis the fucking headhunters fight like that it's good to see somebody that can sit there and hang with the big boys stay out of range keep them at bay and keep them from actually letting loose the fucking knockout shots yeah keep the
0: power shot artist from throwing the power shots
2: he, he 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 fought it very intelligently which is great to see because Every other weight class, you have very intelligent fighters in the way they set everything up. It's really good to see that in the heavyweight division. Yep,
3: I completely agree with that. This just made something else pop into my head, thinking about what I said a moment ago, how quick Zero Gone was. I bet you, uh, in fact, I'll lay 10 to 1 odds. He's faster than Jones right now.
0: Well, I was just going to say, and the funny thing is, is that In his post fight, like not the press conference, but like they've got a reporter that they meet with before they leave to go to or not go to the post fight press conference that they do like small miniature interviews with. And one of the things specifically that Cyril Ghosn mentioned in his little, like, in-between presser was that he feels that John Jones getting to jump the entire line and go directly at a title shot is a bit of an insult to everyone who's working their way up. And that if he really wants to prove that he's legitimate, that that he'll get in line like everyone else. And that if he needs someone to match up with... And I immediately went, oh, shit, because i tell you what, as smart as he did show that he could be as quick as he was using a lot of Jones-esque technique, but at heavyweight the way Jones did at light heavyweight, that could be a very, very interesting matchup, especially if Dana wants to make John prove that he is legitimate, even though he quote-unquote promised him the next shot, which no one fucking agrees with. Uh, I think Cyril Gan would definitely be a great test.
2: Jones just Jones just has a fucking t- target on his back because every single heavyweight fighter since it's announced that John Jones is coming to heavyweight, let me get him, let me get him, let me get him. He just has a fucking target Very on his true. back. But and, to
0: be fair, during Cyril Gon's fight, John Jones tweeted, and I quote: yeah. "These boys better learn to pick it up before yep. Daddy gets home." Yep. So I saw if it. you're gonna talk that shit. You better be ready for a motherfucker to immediately turn around and call you on it, especially when he just won the fight you were talking shit about.
3: Well, here's the other kicker with that that I think is great. John Jones talking about pace at heavyweight. Look, dude, pace at light heavyweight and what heavyweight are two different things. Apparently, he doesn't understand that the pace that he had at light heavyweight is not going to carry over well to heavyweight because he has extra muscle and look he that's all he's put on is muscle he doesn't have dad bod going on for for uh, well um let me rephrase this he won't have dad bod when it comes fight time okay there you go but he's got so much extra muscle mass from all of the heavy lifting that he's been doing you know what muscle mass does it eats yes. oxygen it blows through your fucking gas tank because you Muscles require way more oxygen than dad bod. That's why you were able to see guys like, God, I hate to say this, DC have a pretty good gas tank for a heavyweight because well, not a whole lot of muscle there. So it didn't need as much oxygen. Yep. That's just how that works. And he's going to learn the hard way that there are some people like Cyril Gan where you can see he was still bouncing in the fifth round
0: literally even literally they were still bouncing don't get me wrong
3: they were doing a lot of bike riding that fucking fight so he was obviously doing distance but he was still bouncy yes john jones that you, you gotta watch yourself i respect what you've done at light heavyweight but fuck
0: right well and especially if you've seen his social media lately because i believe it was just last week that he himself posted a video of him and uh uh Mike Winklejohn in the gym working and John absolutely looks 100% out of shape. Looks much bigger body-wise, looks much bigger, but he's got full-on dad bod, 240 my ass. That dude looks like he's pushing 265 with a hard Atlas lean right now. And I'm not saying he's not going to be down a little more trim by the time Fight Night gets here, but for a dude whose last video looked like a black audition for Tim uh, Tim whatever the fuck his name was, in the Santa Claus? Uh, Tim Allen in the Santa Claus? Uh, No, dude, calm down. Don't talk shit about other people getting in shape when you got a bowl full of jelly, you got to work off first, homie. Pump them brakes a little bit. Uh, But fuck John Jones. We'll talk more about him later on. Um, The one, I will say, moderately more interesting than anticipated thing that did happen on this card um specifically in terms of this fight was the uh ashley yoder versus angela hill rematch that no one was really asking for got postponed at the absolute fucking loot last minute uh because one of the cornermen got himself a ticket to the reunion and apparently those folks have not gotten their refunds yet so you know we're still going to have to keep waiting until this tour finishes its fucking lap or everybody gets their money back and we can all go out and play again or next week whichever comes first because they simply just pushed it back to the March 13th card unfortunately um so we'll see if everything is back to normal with those kids by then um we might have the Yoder Hill fight again next weekend we might not we'll have to wait and see i suppose um But um, we got another one of those kind of odd bonus situations. This time, though, justifiably. This one is a little bit more understanding of being in such a strange situation. Um, Fight of the night was Jimmy Rivera versus Pedro Munoz because that was an absolute fucking slobber knocker from start to goddamn finish. Um, There was, however, just one performance of the night bonus. And you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute. They've been giving four performance of the night bonuses recently. Why are they only going to give one now? Well, because in order to get a performance of the night bonus, you have to finish your fight. And there was only one of those. And it was the new guy on the prelims. Second fight in only stoppage of the night, Mr. Lawrence. And i tell you what, uh, Ronnie Lawrence definitely finished the absolute shit out of that dude that they put him against. Um, he earned himself 50 G's being the only finisher, just made it shine that much more in my opinion. But, uh, this is kind of the opposite of some of the cards that we've had recently where they're giving away four performance of the nights and no fight of the nights because all of the fights that go the distance sucked and the ones that get stopped ended up being better and worthy more so of the, the bonus then. But uh, that'll bring us real quick into the medical suspensions uh, for this fight. Jairzinho Rosenstrike. March 21st, just two weeks – or two three weeks, rather. He's he's good. Uh, Krilov, March 30th, no big deal. Uh, De La Rosa, April 14th, that eye apparently wasn't too bad. Pedro, March 30th, nothing to worry about. Jimmy, April 29th, uh, unless he's cleared by a neurologist before then because – he took some fucking shots. So, uh, makes a little more sense. Uh, Kroom 14th, April 14th, rather nothing big. Uh, Tiago, August 27th <laughs> or cleared by x-ray. Cause apparently he broke a bone in his foot kicking Alex's dumb ass. Uh, Alex, on the other hand, March 30th, uh, Sabina, August 27th or cleared by a doctor. Um, they think she might have broke her fibia. Ronnie Lawrence, badass win, uh, broke a rib, <laughs> August twenty seven. <laughs> Everyone else, March 30th, no big deals. Possibly the most quote unquote normal and reasonable medical suspensions overall we have seen in a hot minute now. (laughs) Good God, yes. Uh, I don't know whether someone is paying attention or everyone just isn't, but I hope they at least stay consistent with this for a little while.
3: Not going to (laughs) happen.
0: I know. A guy can hope, right? (laughs) Um, But from there, I want to jump into this mountain of fucking fight announcements that we have got to go over here uh, and news tidbits Um, couple of interesting ones real quick I want to knock out of the way Um, May 22nd Carla Esparza versus Yan Zhaonan That, I think, might be one of the best ladies' matchups we've had announced in a hot minute. Carla wants to prove who she is. Jen is no fucking slouch. Uh, I think it's a great fucking matchup. Plus, stylistically, that could be real fucking fun. Um, April 10th, Sasha Palatnikov versus Impa Kasanganai. I think this is really a shit or get off the pot for both of these guys. Um, both of these guys came in had great fucking potential and then just have been highlight reeled. Um, And I think this is one of those. um, The UFC is proving that they're not holding on to everybody just to hold on to everybody anymore. So prospect or legend, if you ain't putting checks in the W column anymore, uh, you're at risk. These guys I think are both definitely on the fucking chopping block. So Uh, gonna be an interesting fight if either one of them actually show up if not i'm glad that either one of them get cut so we'll see um but speaking of interesting lady fights uh may 15th antonina shevchenko steps back in against andrea kgb lee which i think will be a very interesting stylistic matchup as well um ufc 261 two pay-per-views from now april 24th um <coughs> excuse me has had confirmed for us this week the fight that so fucking many of us have been waiting for wiley Zhang versus rose nama Yunus for the ladies strawweight belt
1: Ah,
0: I hate how much filler they are throwing in fight nights lately, but if they consistently keep giving us massive pay-per-view cards like the one we're about to talk about in a little while and the one that they are building for 261, I'm going to grumble, but I'll be okay with it. (laughs) I'm not happy about it, but I'll fucking deal with it. um that is going to be a spectacular spectacular fucking fight go on buddy no go on go go as in keep going go 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 on that means continue to go and then go some more when you get there and then a little more and then go one more now lay down good job <sighs> anyway oh, okay so where was i there we go oh yeah uh badass fucking ladies fight um that is the one that so fucking many of us have been waiting for i i think this is legitimately going to prove who is the best in that division i think that is literally one and two no matter how this plays out obviously i am a fan of both uh pulling a little more for rose though but i honestly would not be uh, upset no matter how this fight plays out because i believe legitimately these are the top two in that division whether they go back and forth at one and two or one of them stays supreme and just defends against the other a dozen times i think this is the top of the fucking stack in that division and i can't wait to see that fucking scrap take place um maybe not as exciting but definitely exciting on a couple more fronts here we have got april 17th the week before 261 dracar close finally stepping back in after all of these fucking fights keep falling through on the poor guy uh they found some schlub who was willing to sign the paperwork and actually step in and fucking quote unquote promise he's gonna make it there Lil' Heathen stepped up to the fucking plate. We're going to see Drakar Close versus Jeremy Stevens on April 17th, and that one could be very fucking interesting as well. I'm kind of into it. Stylistically, that's a whole lot of weird, but a whole lot of fireworks on the potential side. We got a... a A pair of very interesting ones announced today. Um, I'm honestly not 100% sure how I feel about either one of them. Um, The first one is for June 19th, because they're starting to build their summer platforms out a little bit here. Um, Diego Lima looking to bounce back, I say with air quotes, stepping in against Matt Brown. I don't understand who decided that was going to be a great matchup. I would like to send that person a chocolate dick in a box because stop it. But uh, it's a fight. Uh, We'll see June 19th one way or another, but I don't think that's a good matchup to say the least for Matt Brown, I should be more specific here. The other one, maybe not quite. Well, I guess it kind of could be as egregious uh, considering that this one is actually for a fucking pay-per-view UFC 262 um, on May 15th. um, Mr. released me from my contract Then I'm gonna sign a multi-contract D or multi-fight contract right after that himself. Um, Edson Barbosa stepping back into it on the main card, they're saying uh, against Shane Burgos. I, I don't really like that matchup either way. And I definitely kind of feel like they're both shitting on Shane Burgos and trying to, softball up edson barboza first fight on his new i say with air quotes contract uh at the same time and i i don't know it feels kind of gross i'm not i'm not really digging it a whole lot i think because it's a pay-per-view i think if they would have like headline a fight night with that i i could see it but I think cause they're going to cram it onto a pay-per-view card and make people pay to see that. I don't, I don't, know. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> One that I do like, however, um, we actually just got yesterday and I was a little surprised, but not entirely to see it. Um, for those of you who aren't up to date in the recent months, uh, Dan Hardy has decided that he has the itch again, but not so much so that he wants to try and delude himself and get back in with any of these new up and coming killers. He he's not trying to get an example made of himself. He's kind of leaning into this legends league that everybody keeps kind of hinting at. And since there are still several legends around who haven't retired yet, he started trying to make a rally point to call matt brown since they fought at the same fucking time to uh have an exhibition match not a a five rounder not a a big you know title fight or anything not to try and steal anyone's rankings but to fight for the sake of, of fighting and for honor and you know to fucking fight that thing that fighters used to do fight to fight um and then we found out that matt brown got the diego lima fight and dan hardy went well shit um i still kind of got this itch but i don't want to try and fight any of these fucking new assassins nicholas diaz what the fuck are you up to how about any time any weight any rule set any arena name it let's fucking do this for the sake of fighting I kind of like that. As much shit as the Diaz brothers talk, you want some fucking respect? There's a dude who was on your fucking playing field in your fucking prime time. Still willing to fucking lace him up and get down with you. You set the fucking terms. Put up or shut up, Nick. I like it. I fucking like it. I hope we see a red mohawk in the future, god damn it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a big fan of that call out a, a lot, to be honest.
0: It that makes sense.
3: Especially with that Matt brown on lima bullshit, which, um, to be honest, I think the Lima thing was for them to go, Lima, you shit, or you get off the pot, because he's been an absolute pile of trash his last couple of fights. And I can knowing who that. his brother is, you would not expect that sort of garbage to come from the fucking dump and get poured into all UFC. Yeah, but here it fucking is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know what? Maybe they're hoping Brown will fucking knock him out, and so that way they have a good reason to cut him.
0: I yeah, I could. I guess I can see that too. It's not ideal, but it makes sense. The old scientific method: fuck around and find out. um speaking of excuse me interesting potential matchups um april 10th joe selecki gets back in the octagon thrown to the wood chipper as it were stepping in against jim fucking miller who can't seem to catch a fight Uh, But finally, again, catching a break. Hopefully, if Selecky will actually make it to the ring. Uh, Poor Jim just can't fucking get one to line up here uh, on circumstances beyond his fucking control. Uh, Hopefully, Selecki will actually show up because I think that would be a pretty good fucking banger of a fight. Um, Now, on the other hand, a uh, not-so-banger of a fight, seeing as how this is the third fucking time we have had to try to make this fucking matchup that nobody asked for to begin with. Uh, Bellator decided that at Bellator Two Hundred and Fifty-Seven on April 16th, they are going to, for the unsticed be times a fight match, put together Saba Hamasi and Paul Daly, or at least try to. Um. I'm really hoping this is a, uh, a, like TJ was saying about uh, Lima Brown here, a shitter get off the pot for both of these gentlemen. Uh, Hamasi is on a three fight win streak against nobodies. Uh, Paul Daly is about ready to just be sent to Ryzen. Uh, I think if Hamasi really fucks him up, that'll be Scott Coker's excuse to let him go. Um, On the other hand, if, if Daly really shuts up Hamasi and shows what he used to be capable of um, that could put Daly back in the mix. So I I really don't think it's worthy of having them make this goddamn fight three times now, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, A couple that I am very interested to see how they play out um, April 17th. Luis Pena gets back into the octagon against Alex Munoz. So tall, lanky motherfucker on tall, lanky motherfucker action. Uh, Could get very interesting with those two styles. Speaking of interesting styles, um, May 8th got a pair of, oh, shit, kind of matchups added to them. The first one, Roxanne Montefiore versus Tyler Santos. That's a pair of very unorthodox, to say the least, styles that could make for a very interesting match. The other one that they added, uh, the Bricks getting the hi-hat treatment apparently here. Uh, Jimmy Flick stepping in to take on Figgy Dose, Francisco Figueredo on the May 8th card as well. That, I think, will prove to be very interesting since we know... Uh, the other Figgy brother is purported to be every bit as good as the younger. And we've seen what that other Figgy can do. <laughs> so the uh, brick was pretty goddamn impressive in his debut. We'll, we'll see if he can live up to the hype here. So I, I kind of like that matchup. And on a card with uh, Mataferri versus Santos, so there's another equal possibility of some weird stylistic matchups. Uh, I'm okay with that. I think that's going to be an interesting card come May Uh, May 1st, we did get a last minute, but still very interesting announcement just today. Uh, Cub Swanson stepping back in against Giga Chikadze. That is going to be a very, very fucking interesting matchup, to say the least. I'm kind of excited to see how that one plays out. Um, Two more little pieces of news here real quick, and then we will dive into some meat and taters. Um, The first one, Uh, the UFC announced officially both Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem have officially been released from their contracts and are no longer with the UFC. And immediately upon word of their release being made public, Scott Coker immediately stated that while he has respect for both gentlemen, he has no interest in signing either one of them. Their roster is good right now.
3: Where have we heard that before from him?
0: that's what i was gonna say
3: we've heard that that before
0: yeah um the the only difference here is that jds made a post that basically thanked the ufc for his time with them and said that he is looking forward to see where the next step brings him because he's not done yet whereas Overeem basically turned around and retired uh said that you know he wants to thank the UFC for giving him all of the opportunities that he had that you know cuz Dana White legitimately you know gave him some fucking praise said that Alistair Overeem never once in the entire time he was employed by the UFC turned down a single fight not once every single time they picked up the phone and called him he said yes didn't matter who the fuck it was when it was he said yes every fucking time there's something to be said for that but Alistair basically said in his post that He said that he had one more run left in him and this is the definitive end of that run. He wanted to thank everyone for his support, but this is the end of the road. So I I think legitimately here, Overeem is going to call it done. And I have a feeling that JDS might try and either slide in over at PFL or maybe get a couple of fights in Bellator. Either way, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I think they would probably both be better off hanging them up. But we also see how when you'd be better off hanging them up goes for a lot of fucking guys we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. But the last little piece of news, I will say loosely with air quotes, um, I want to talk about real quick is probably the most controversial single piece of news that has come out in the last week, since we talked to you folks last. Um, And it's controversial for a number of reasons. We got word that the incident that happened in Abu Dhabi concerning the violation of the um, security protocol, quarantine protocol, uh, stop laughing motherfucker, this is serious. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> there was there was a violation of quarantine protocols at Fight Island, and it resulted in some Spider-Man esque parkouring, a secretive satchel full of mystery content, and a firing and unfiring of a certain friend of the king of Morocco, we'll say. <laughs> Um, we got a statement officially, officially, yesterday from Atman Zaytar's manager, Ali Abdalaziz, terrorist though he may be. Um, that there's no reason anyone needs to worry, or speculate, or try and assume. What happened during these far blown out of proportion, I say in his words with air quotes, events that happened, all that matters is that the decision was made right and Atman is still a UFC employee and ready to get back into action. What he will say, though, is that the satchel in question was not stuffed with nefarious things was full of potatoes
3: I fucking can't dude I just can't do it Potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> apparently um this um crossing of the safe zone was to trade with must some be some Irish fans for a sack of potatoes and no offense to the Irish but that's a fucking stupid move uh, yeah I don't know how those the are fuck fucking you potatoes
0: he really said with a fucking straight face people that the incident happened because someone was trying to bring them a bag of potatoes
3: there's no fucking words for that dumb shit well other than the fact of whose mouth it came out of because that motherfucker spewed some really stupid shit This is why I don't understand why people
0: legitimately will be confused or not understand why so many of the MMA community at large have no faith in anything that comes out of Ali's mouth. Potatoes. Potato. Damn taters. Boil them, mash them, put them in a stew. Were they russets? Were they fucking
2: Idahos? Like, they what better type of been fucking... made of
0: fucking gold to be pulling some Spider-Man balcony jumping shit breaking quarantine protocols in Abu Dhabi. Those fucking taters better grow gold, God damn it That's my only question. What type of fucking <sighs> potatoes are they? I'm telling you. It's fucking ridiculousness, man. This is among many other reasons why most of us in the MMA world don't believe a single fucking thing that Ali says. This... Potatoes. So, moving along from that dumbass bullshit, fucking Ali... Getting into our namesake of the evening, the meat and potatoes section of the show here, the reason for the season, the marquee of the episode, UFC 259, a triple strap showdown here. This is what we were talking about several times recently when we mentioned that they really do suck all the fun out of the fight nights so that they can put all of the good matchups on the pay-per-view cards and while that sucks out loud if they keep stacking them up as consistently good as they have got this one and the next two or three i believe already that they're working on i'll grumble but i'm still going to be in for it so starting with this one this fight has 16 fights on the fucking card slotted originally. We've already lost one, so we're down to 15. But they slotted 16 fights on this fucking card. The early prelims, as of right now, have six fights on them still. That's fucking crazy. So, clearly, we are not going over all these goddamn fights. But there are a couple in the early's here that I do want to make a point to kind of give a mention to something that could be pretty fun. Um, first and foremost, the opening round, the opening matchup rather, um, Mario Batista is a little fucking firecracker and he is stepping in there against what would happen if Ruby rod did MMA. I mean, super green. This guy is spot on hard to deny. Uh, Trevin Jones is, is Chris Tucker. Um, But that's going to be an interesting matchup because Trevin Jones is a little V-shaped ice cream cone motherfucker that's like all upper body, and Mario Batista is one of those smaller, kind of almost scraggly-looking dudes that just is crazy fast and crazy dangerous from everywhere. So the opening fight could be very, very fun. Um, Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews is... It's a coin toss fight it's a coin flip fight in my opinion here this fight is either going to be spectacular or a fucking snooze fest this is either going to be a time to go get some popcorn or a time to sit down and eat some popcorn and don't fucking blink because it'll go real goddamn quick or it's going to be real fucking boring i don't see there any any gray area in between on that matchup Um, but the main reason i mentioned that is because once that fight is done we get to see the newest member of City kickboxing make his UFC debut, Carlos Julberg, um, stepping in against Kennedy Inchaku, who is uh, to his credit, a great named individual with a very kid and play haircut. But to his credit, he also comes from the soup can, I mean uh, contender series. so, he's got that going against him right away. And that's never a good sign, especially against one of the boys from CKB, um, especially a guy that Izzy himself says is a reason that he would never lose enough weight to compete down at lightweight. (laughs) So that should tell you something unto itself. I'm kind of curious to see if Izzy's really hyping up his boy or if this dude is as dangerous as they're trying to make him out to be. So I definitely think it's worth watching to give that man a shot. Eugene Berriman does not produce fucking lamos. I have no reason to doubt this is going to be another example of just that uh, Behrman's magic. Oh. So,
3: and Izzy said it right in the embedded He said he's going to be the future light heavyweight king. I was like, oh, we'll see. Yeah,
0: that's exactly. There's a lot of there's a lot of faith being put in that young man. But look at where he's coming from as well. So, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I'm kind of kind of curious, kind of excited to see if he's everything they're making him out to be. Um, premier, early prelim fight, I'd say with air quotes, uh, Tim Elliott versus Jordan Espinoza. Um, not the most exciting fight, but I will say... Um, I think Tim Elliott is going to get his ass knocked the fuck out for one simple, verified reason. He has abandoned the power of the mullet. And we have seen time and time again what that gets you. The combat Wombat lost his. Ricky Simone lost his. And look what every fucking one of them has got for it. Tim Elliott shaved his off and said he's not growing it back. I think Espinosa puts him to fucking sleep for it.
3: yep that's a hundred percent on board with that the loss of the mullet is obviously a loss in power loss in chin strength go saying Dan, tim elliott you made a mistake um it's time to get back on that train um and regrow that thing out re-dye it blonde whatever you got to do um, get in there and get that mullet back Seems as though we have some downtime.
2: So. Real questions. What type of potatoes were they? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question. That's it on my brain since I read that fucking article. What type of potatoes were they? That's all I want to know. Yeah.
3: They could have been baby reds, they could have been adult reds. Could um, have been fingerlings. Yellow, fingerlings, purples, goldens, you know, um, was it a more waxy consistency potato or was it a, a better masher something you use for fried something you're going to throw with like a fried chicken and gravy you know? that's that
2: was like literally the question that wasn't that, in my brain was, what type of fucking potatoes are they the and
0: real question the was real it? question is potato slang for something in UAE looking it up googling that shit I'm just saying, if if potato means something different over in UAE, maybe he's actually telling the truth, and we weren't seeing it correctly. I'm just saying, there are way less obscure things in Urban Dictionary.
2: Wait, where are they from? Where's that guy from?
0: Morocco, I believe. Morocco. Because they're friends with the Crooked King of Morocco. That's allegedly uh, the rumor on how they got the immediate he's fired, he's no longer a UFC fighter speech reversed. Is that literally the King of Morocco himself allegedly made a phone call directly to Dana White.
2: I mean, urban dictionary potato is the meaning of life, so...
0: There is that, so.
2: <laughs> potato is in my veins, potato blood.
0: <laughs> oh, but anyhow, moving along from there, um, we'll, we'll do more potato investigating later. <laughs> um, opening up the actual prelim card with the second of the CKB boys, uh, Kaya Cara France stepping in against Rogerio Bontarine. Um this I think is going to be a, a very, very good matchup. But again, I I feel those city kickboxing boys, especially the smaller guys we have seen, uh, Quake and Kayakara, they're fucking killers. Um, now apparently Carlos might be on that list as well, down on the lightweight side. So, um, We've seen Kai Kara stumble a couple of times, but I don't think anywhere near anything that would be anything to worry about. I think he just had a little bit of uh, light in his eye, as they say sometimes. Uh, but based on what we've seen so far, I, I think he's dialed in. I think he's ready. I think he's got this. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, possibly win number two for the uh, City Kickboxing crew.
1: Oh,
3: Kara France. Look, Kai has lost to two of the top three guys in the flyweight division Roy Val and Moreno. And those two went to war. And then we saw what happened in that fight, which led to a great fucking title fight, which we get a replay of here down the road here shortly. So Kai's only lost to some really good fucking fighters. Exactly. And Torin, not saying he's bad, not by any means, but I don't think he's on the same level, albeit um, Kai Francis has had those two tough losses to way tougher opponents. And to be honest, I think both of them are better than Kai Frantz, period. And it's not because he doesn't have the potential to get there. He's just still too green in my eyes. He's not there yet, is the way I see it. If Staying with City Kickboxing, he will definitely get there, but yes, he's not yes. there yet. Whereas Borton, he's still fairly wet behind the ears himself. Um, how he jumped up into the rankings so fast, I don't understand. But hey, Whatever, man. Hats off to you. You made it there. Now you're about to um, take a, a, a L here. I don't think he can get it done. And what's really strange is the Vegas odds on this. To me, is that they have them almost as a coin flip. And to be honest, I don't think Ventura is that fucking great.
0: Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't think those odds make much sense either. I agree. I just saw that.
3: It. I mean, they're what did they so, Like a Minus one fifteen, one forty one, or some shit. No, plus one fifteen, or something like that. Yeah, I don't. Plus one fifteen, minus one forty one. But yeah, it's a little bit of a strange situation to see that they're um, not giving Kai anywhere near as much respect as he deserves, and I think a lot of that has to do with those two losses he's had in his last three fights. But also, again, they're not taking into account of where those two guys that he lost to are ranked in the division currently. Right. Agreed. I mean, it's kind of a weird position for him to be in, but you know what? You take L's, you only get mediocre odds, but in this case, I think they've got the odds completely wrong. I really think he's going to do a pretty goddamn good job of dominating him.
2: Yeah. Uh, Bontorin, he is nowhere near where Kaikar France is, and really any level of fighting uh stamina fight iq the ability to do what kai can on the ground or on the feet he's just not there yet i also don't understand how he got pushed up into the rankings like he did i mean he's a decent fighter but he is not at the same level of the motherfuckers that are coming out of uh city kickboxing it's gonna be interesting but um Kaikar France is getting a W like he should.
0: I agree. I, I think City Kickboxing gets their second potential win with Carr uh, France. Um, the bad part is that that brings us to the next matchup that I don't understand why it's on the prelims and not the earlies. But uh, I, I still believe there is legitimate chance for fireworks here. Um, Joseph Olivi, I mean, uh, Benavidez uh, versus Asghar Um We saw Joe get his face literally beaten the fuck off. Not once, but twice in a row. Severely. Severely. And the UFC ain't in the business of throwing gimme fights these days. They're not going to cut him any fucking slack here. Um, I've been saying for a hot minute now that Askar Askarov is the next potential big thing coming up in that division. I think they're going to give him a chance to figgy Joe B. Uh, I think Askar Askarov fucks him up and hopefully is the last time we see Joe B. If not, at least the last time we see him on a pay-per-view, Hopefully.
3: To be honest, you know what I think this fight is? This is fucking Big Daddy Dana in here diddling his fingers, hoping Joseph Benavides wins so he can throw him at the title again, because they've yeah. been trying to just force it on him, and every time he gets to that pinnacle, he shits the fucking bed. Yep. So their boy don't get me home wrong, home. wrong, he does really well outside of fucking Top title life. fights. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a very good chance he could beat Askrov. However, askrov has been pretty fucking dominant since he's coming to the UFC. There's a reason why he's got no Ls. He has one draw, and that's to the same guy who's about to fucking fight for the title again. So where does that tell you who he's sitting? Obviously, he's a pretty good fucking fighter. I don't think Benavidez is at that level. And if you didn't notice earlier when we were talking about this with the Kai France fight, I said... Carr lost to two of the top three guys in the division. I do not consider Benavidez in top three, even though they still have him ranked as number two. Fuck right off whoever made the rankings for that bullshit. He got his shit kicked in bad, not once, but twice. And the guy who's sitting as number one right now, deservedly so five fucking rounds of war. And didn't and looked fucking fantastic doing it. Benavides is not in that same league. He is now the gatekeeper. Period. That's it. No more. No less. Look, that's this is all Askarov. I think he's going to dominate him. However, the downside to Askarov, all of the fights that we've seen him go in and win, he is a decision-making machine. So do not expect the finish from Askarov. But do expect some fantastic fucking work.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna second that. Um, I don't understand I don't understand how Benavitas is still a relevant name and flyaway. I don't I truly don't understand that. Uh, Askarov is gonna go in there and do work like he has before. My only problem is, how the hell did Askarov get 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 ranked as number three? He only has like four fights in the UFC, and how the fuck did he pull Moreno as first fight?
0: That's, I think, that's exactly why.
2: Yeah, I mean, true, but like that's 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 a very that's a very interesting fucking way to step in to 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 the UFC, coming in to Moreno, and then three fights later, you're fucking number three. Then again, there's not a lot of people that are making wake and making moves in a flyweight. So that's also secondary to that on my end. I didn't think of that. But uh, Askarov has has a lot of fucking potential uh, in the flyweight. It's, it would be fucking fun to see uh, him and Moreno run that fight back after this, after he beats the living shit out of Benavidez. Do we have technical difficulties?
3: I think he's um, doing a moment of silence for just Benavidez um, recently deceased career.
0: I think we should be good. Sorry, my other headset just freaked the fuck out on me here.
2: Now I could hear myself in the background.
3: making life fun good old
2: technology
0: there we go now i got it okay god damn hell of a fucking day i tell you folks um but the interesting thing about regardless of how that fight plays out that brings us into another interesting matchup on this card that i'm very curious to see how it plays out uh song yadong versus kyler phillips um Song Dong is just a fucking relentless killer. That dude doesn't understand how to be in bad fights. He's one of those guys, he's allergic. He breaks out in punches. Um, Kyler Phillips, on the other hand, we saw come through contender series, hit the UFC and just immediately hit the fucking skids. Um, Got cut, did some local time and then has come back with a modified Jesus surfer dude. Like, he grew his hair all out. He's got the full beard. He's all about the, you know, chilling bra lifestyle. Nothing's important anymore. Everything is relaxed and chill out. But his fight style has definitely changed. He seems to have figured out whatever the fuck it was that wasn't in him the first time around when he was in the UFC, he got it. He figured it out while he was gone. Because since he has been back, he has been pretty damn impressive. Now, is that impressive enough to get past song? You dong. I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup because both of those guys, at least now anyways, um, have very unorthodox style, but they both have gas tank for days and they both don't know how to quit. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting back and forth. I really, really honestly don't know who takes this one. I think it's, it's legitimately that close that it could go either way, but I'm telling you now it's going to be fun.
3: To be honest, I'm, I'm not on that boat. I'm on the, I think Sonia Dong gets this one fucking done. And nothing against Kyler Phillips, but I he hasn't fought the level of fighters that Sonja Dong has. Not to say that Sonja Dong has fought fucking absolute killers, but I mean, he did beat Vera. And Vera's a fantastic fucking fighter. And he's never an easy fight. Dong managed to do it. Don't get me wrong, Phillips has had a couple of really nice fucking finishes since he's been back, but I don't think he's Song Yunong's level yet. I think this is just another stepping stone for Song Dong to keep moving upwards. However, the downside to this is he's fighting an unranked guy, so it's not going to move him up any further in the weight rankings. Which, permits it's a bummer. I think they're throwing this at Kyler Phillips to see if he's actually ready or not.
2: Yeah, I don't think uh I don't think Kyler Phillips is ready for the competition that is Songgy Dong. He's gonna have to pull some matrix shit and uh dodgy dong. Uh it's not gonna end well. It's not gonna end well. Uh Songgy dong he's dodgy dong. Huh? You yeah. Dodgy dong. No, I said he's gonna to have to do some matrix shit and dodge you dong.
0: Oh, okay. I was switching speakers, and all I saw was you said dodge you dong. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't think I don't think it's really gonna end well for uh, Phillips. Um, he's just not at the caliber that uh, Song dong is yet. He'll get there. He'll definitely get there with him coming back and showing that he has made progress and he's, he's learning, he's evolving into a fighter. He, he will get there. Uh, but right, right now, I think he's just too green behind the ears.
0: I can agree with that. I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, that however, will bring us to our, I guess, the premier prelim actual premier prelim fight uh, of the evening um this is one of the fights that i said a while ago i didn't think should have been made and i stand by that i still don't think this is a fight that should have been made i still feel like this is rewarding casey kenny uh for being a fucking decision machine and just not really earning much and then after the stupid fucking remarks that he made that i refuse still to fucking give credit or address um I definitely don't think he should have been rewarded with a fight of this much significance here. Um, that being said, I still think Dominic Cruz has enough left in the old dog to come out there and shut this motherfucker down. Casey Kenny has not shown me anything in any of his UFC fights to impress me to think even for a split second that, you know what? Dominic Cruz better watch his ass. No. Not le- not in the least bit, not in any area of his game. Dominic Cruz might not be the number one guy anymore, but he is still absolutely elite and he is still absolutely dangerous. Not to mention, he just got his fucking golden USADA letterman jacket this weekend for completing the, what is it, 50, 50 clean tests in a row or something like that. Whatever the, the crazy fucking club is that you have to have had USADA up your ass for a hot minute that only a couple of them have gotten coats for. Dominic Cruz got his this weekend for exemplifying what it means to be a clean athlete when several of his fucking brethren in the division from his era, from his range, from his, you know, echelon have popped hot. Dominic's still out there doing the goddamn thing. So, um, aside from being a douchebag and getting unearned fucking shine and then being a douchebag and fucking opening your mouth and letting diarrhea fall the fuck out and not even owning up to it, uh, fuck Casey Kenny. I think Dominic Cruz puts a fucking whooping, just starts a fucking clinic and schools this asshole. God, this is tough for me to
3: call. Because Dominic Cruz has not been the same for a long fucking time. Uh, what I'm hoping happens here is Dominic gets his shit together and unfucks himself so we don't see him on permanent desk duty. Not that I don't mind him on desk because he's a very fucking intelligent commentator as far as what's going on with the fight. And he has a very high fight IQ, which is fantastic. But at the same time, he has not looked the same since the fucking Cody Garber on fight. Where Cody just fucking juke jived him, danced in front of him, and whipped his fucking ass. And since then, he's just been on a slow decline. And to be honest, this is another one of those fighters where I'm going, hey, man, it's time to start thinking about hanging him up. You did great things. You've had a fantastic career. Um, even prior to the UFC, when you go back to his force days, the dude was a fucking animal. It's, it's to a time where he's got to start thinking about the maybe I hang him up. And Keith Kenny, they literally are feeding him a chance to pop up into the top 10 because of this. Which is, in my opinion, absolutely fucking trash. Because to be honest, the guys that he's beaten so far, nothing to fucking write home about. I mean, he bought I mean the most notable name on his win roster is Smoka. And that says a lot because Smoka had potential but never ever lived up to it. So if that tells you anything about what they're doing, they're literally fucking spoon feeding him a top 10. Because yeah, to be honest, I think the UFC understands Dominic Cruz is not the person he used to be. I hope. And I really hope he pre- he fucking just proves me completely fucking wrong. I mean, absolutely prove me the fuck wrong because I would appreciate that. But I don't think Dominic Cruz gets it done. I think he's going to get decisioned.
2: Now, what I hope happens, what I hope, what I hope and pray Because Dominic Cruz has faced the toughest motherfuckers of Bantamweight inside the UFC from Faber to fucking Henry Cejudo, Garbrandt, Dillashaw before he was a fucking uh, EPO freak. Uh, I truly hope and think and fucking pray that he is there enough to shut Casey Kenny the fuck up. Uh, Cruz's fight IQ is leaps and bounds ahead of what Casey Kenny's ever fucking will be. I don't care if you look at Casey Kenny five years from now, Dominic Cruz fight IQ will be, will be leaps and bounds ahead. Um, Dominic Cruz was one of the best, still is one of the best in the like that the bantam weight has ever seen um he's fought much tougher fighters than what casey's even imagined uh but this is absolutely one of those shitter get off the pot moments for dominant Cruz. i fucking hope he can put casey to sleep early that's what i want to happen can it happen maybe i'll find out on saturday but I hope it does. So I have to fuck Casey Kenny.
0: I'd say, to be fair, the potential is definitely there. Um, I don't think Dominic has lost nearly enough of his power to where he couldn't fucking knock Casey Kenny out. And he's clearly still got the speed and the movement. Uh, I, I think he would really have to, really, really fuck up to lose this one. Um, not saying he can't. But I think he really has to shit the bed to lose this fight. Uh, That being said, though, that will bring us into the main card itself, the meat and potatoes portion of this meat and potatoes segment of the show here. Um, This is the part where I get a little melancholy here, because on one hand, we have three fucking title fights. On the other hand, the fights leading up to it, they're a little suspect is what I'll say. Um, we're opening the main card with Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakich. This one may be a little bit less than the next one, but this one's still um, I don't necessarily know that this is honestly a pay-per-view caliber fight. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't need to happen. I, I absolutely think it's a good matchup. I just don't know if it's a pay-per-view good matchup is what I'm saying. Um, Tiago Santos, we have seen glimpses of greatness with him. And then we saw Glover Teixeira beat him like he owes money. Um, Alexander Rakic, we have seen glimpses of greatness with him, but inconsistently. Um, and also, not necessarily to the highest degree. Um, John Jones fight aside because of the knee issue and all that crazy shit. Uh, Tiago Santos has faced higher caliber talent than Rakic has to this point. But Rakic is also on a pretty fucking stellar trajectory of a climb for a guy who's only been in the UFC for as short amount of time as he has been. So it's a little from column A, it's a little from column B. Um, my main thing here is that Tiago, I, I genuinely believe his best moment, his prime was about 38 seconds before his knee blew out in that John Jones fight what we saw leading up to that John Jones fight was Tiago Santos looking fucking spectacular every second he was in that fucking octagon. And I don't know if something in his head snapped or if he just never rehabbed hundred percent, but for whatever reason from the second that knee went in that John Jones fight, Tiago Santos has not been the same and the Tiago Santos that can't get back to that level that he was at right before that knee snapped is not going to survive the fucking shark tank that is becoming the light heavyweight division. It just is not. Least of all, against a hungry young guy on a fucking trajectory as quick as Alexander Rakich's is. We have seen Rakic have potential everywhere. He's got good striking. He's got good takedown defense. He's got good movement. He's got good ground game. Not the best, albeit, but it's there and there's a base to work with everywhere we've seen him challenge those young guys have so much more room to improve than a guy like Tiago Santos, who's been around the fucking block for a while and granted still doing it, but for how much longer at the top level, this to me is kind of them saying you had your run. The young kids are on their way. You're a gatekeeper at this point. If you can't stop this young kid, it's only going to get worse from here. And sorry, I don't think Mareta is gonna be able to stop the young kid. I think Rakic gets it done. I don't think it's pretty and I don't think it's easy, but I think Rakic has enough to get past what we have left of Tiago Santos. I just don't think it's I don't think it's in the cards for him anymore. I think he's two steps from putting down the gloves and picking up a fishing pole.
3: I'll say it. Piano Santos is in a shitter get off the pot moment here. Um, I agree 100%. He has not been the same person since he blew out his knee. And when that knee blowout happened and then his comeback fight, we had said it. I don't think he's fucking ready. I don't think that knee is fully healed because he hasn't looked right since then. He hasn't moved the same. This is... Alexander Ricketts fight to lose and as fucking inconsistent as he is it shouldn't be too hard to beat Tiago Santos however who knows maybe he got some weird fucking good vibes from his old lady winning and I say winning with a, just a casual W there because it was a fucking terrible fight but anyhow Maybe that's enough to motivate his ass to actually get a W but we'll see I mean the one good thing he does have going for him right now is that he trains in the same place as the lioness does and that that's a huge fucking um that's a huge thing getting the train alongside with the champ for the same fucking card so uh, yeah who knows? Maybe that'll help uh, boost his uh, stature a little bit, but we'll see. I don't think so. I think he's gonna go down on an no, L and I think we're gonna see him drop down to like number 10.
0: Oh, that was the other thing, um, real quick. Um, watching his pre-fight press shit, um, some of it, a little bit was on embedded, but some of it he had posted on his own. Uh, some of it was on, I believe it was on MMA fighting. And some of it was on bloody elbow. Um, he has said to multiple reporters now that coming into this camp, he was walking around at 2.56. Jesus. Fuck. That's after the Glover fight. So you ain't putting that on your leg. You ain't blaming that on physical therapy and eating ice cream because you can't work out. 2.56. That's <laughs> – Like, even if you can get from 2.56 down to 2.05 – That's bad. That's fucking bad on your body. I don't care who the fuck you are, that's not something you get accustomed to or you can do easily. That's fucking bad. So, that's another reason. I think he's just going to be too fucking worn out, too drained. I think Raker's just going to wreck his ass.
3: Maybe it's time he moves up the heavyweight.
2: Yeah. I... I'm going to be the heel for one reason and one reason only. And, and all the pressers of, of, of over this week, Rakic is only thinking about Izzy winning light heavy over uh, Lahovich. That's his. That 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 was literally five minutes of his pressers. I, I want him to eat shit and fuck off for looking over somebody like Santos because Santos absolutely can't put you on your ass with one shot. That's a big motherfucker for light, for, for light heavy. That's a big bitch. I want Rakich to fuck off because of that and that alone. Because you're, you're, you're looking past your opponent – and you're thinking of shit way in the fucking future, you're ranked number four. There's three fucking people uh, uh, ahead of you right now that are going to get that shot potentially before you do if Izzy wins. You're putting too much in one basket. Fuck you.
0: I, I can absolutely, absolutely understand that. Um, and ironically enough, Uh, That will bring us directly into the next fight that I said. I'm still a little questionable about the placement on the card here. Um, I think this one could have either main evented its own fight night or maybe been the premier prelim fight. Um, Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. Um, Aside from the fact that I think just on general fucking principle, Drew Dober on a bad night, could ragdoll the ever-living fuck out of Islam Makachev's goofy-looking ass. But on top of that, in the same vein that RJ just said, Islam has literally spent every moment there has been a fucking camera or microphone put in front of him for the last at least month, not even just fight week, for the last month or so, talking about how he's not just being compared to Khabib. He's here to take over for Khabib, that he is the next champion of light heavyweight, that it's just a matter of him getting to the belt that's already his, that Khabib is just holding on to for him. First and foremost, you're ranked 14, sweetheart. Sit the fuck down. Secondly, and more importantly, Drew Dober is standing in front of you, and that motherfucker is a problem for anyone i think drew dober like i said on a bad night could just absolutely fucking mollywop islam makachev into next thursday but i think on a good night and he looks like he's ready for a good night i think drew dober gives islam makachev a very very sorely deserved reality check and hopefully a fucking wake-up call I doubt the wake-up call happens, but the reality check is unavoidable. I think Drew puts a fucking hurtin on this overhyped ass hat, Drew
3: Dober, all fucking day. You know, for a guy that I'm not a fan of, I have to side with him on this one, and it's not Islam Makarov because I don't mind Islam Makarov. He's just another fucking. Another one of those Dagestani wrestle fuckers, But I don't like Drew Dober. I just don't fucking like the guy. Period. There's something about him. Something about the way he carries himself. But there is one thing that motherfucker does do which is very very impressive. He finishes motherfuckers. With these. Right here. Credit where credit is due. Drew Dober is an absolute fucking beast of a puncher at Lightweight. There's no, I don't think, in my personal opinion, in the lightweight division, nobody hits as hard as he does. His last three fights knockout, 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 first round knockout, first round knockout, second round knockout. And it was late in the second round in his last fight. So he does carry the power late. This is a Drew Dober um, uh, putting Islam Makachev. Back on fucking notice that he's not as good as he thinks he is. The only way that Makachev wins this fight is if he wrestle fucks the shit out of Dober. Because to be honest, Dober's ground game, not very impressive at all. Kind of shitty, to be honest. But goddammit, if he catches Makachev, that's fucking all she wrote. And Makachev goes nighty night. Uh, I'm betting on Dober here. He may be if I'm not mistaken he is listed as the underdog in this fight but I still think he gets it done. I think he knocks him out inside of 2.
1: If
2: Meter didn't if Meter if you didn't say that I I, I was going to because if you look at you know everybody that's ahead and the lightweight um there's no way that uh numbnuts would get past dustin poirier there's no way he would get past fucking charles Oliveira, justin gaethje he could get past tony ferguson uh conor mcgregor that's an iffy paul felder no fucking way uh you're looking at a steep steep climb that you're not gonna fucking that you're just not it, you're just not gonna fucking get there so good luck Uh, Drew Dober on the fact that Islam Makachev is a fucking idiot back to back. That's that's a that's a that's a rare occurrence.
0: I I can agree with that. Um, I, I, the only I will say this, um, the only potential silver lining I see about this fight being on the main card of a pay-per-view event in las vegas is that it has brought Khabib back to las vegas again to corner islam and while he is here again he is going to have dinner with dana and hopefully again he will tell him for the 73rd fucking time in two months he's retired
3: move on you thirsty hoe
0: jesus titty fucking christ
3: you know what? That's not a good thing for me because you know what this does? This gives Dana a reason to lie again to the fucking public and say, oh, he didn't say he was done. He didn't say he was retired. The fuck if he didn't? He's going to have dinner with them He's going to go, well, he's not certain. Um, He might say, well, it depends on what happens with blah, 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 blah. No, get fucked. It just This is a fucking terrible thing for him to be here. And don't get me wrong. I'm okay with Khabib cornering him because Right. He's got to do something with his time. and He wants to manage fighters. This is how you manage fighters. He's doing what he wanted to do in retirement. But it's giving Dana way too much fuel to say, oh, I'm not sure. And lollygag around with holding that fucking title up.
0: That's actually what I'm hoping he does. Here's why. He might not have been the best example of it, but Khabib has made a point to stand on him being a man of his word how many times will Khabib publicly say I'm retired and then let Dana say Khabib said he's not retired before Khabib himself comes out and makes a definitive I'm fucking done statement. If you're going to tell me you're this big fucking man of morals and your word means everything, then give me your fucking word you're retired and stop letting him speak for you. because this is the fourth meeting, fifth meeting in a row, where he said every fucking time, I'm retired, move on. This time, could be you had to fly all the way over here again to say it again. I'm hoping this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Anyway, um, moving along. That will bring us to our first of the triple strap Throwdown that is UFC 259 <coughs> excuse me Piotr Yen versus Aljamain Sterling the bantamweight strap is up for grabs Piotr Yen's first title defense Aljamain's first and potentially last title shot um I am not going to try and sugarcoat it or be polite. I don't fucking like Al Jermaine Sterling. I don't like Al Jermaine Sterling style, not in the fucking least bit. I think the sole reason that he is where he is right now is because Corey Sanhagen got a little high on his own supply, started smelling what he was selling a little too fucking hard, came in a little sloppy, left himself open, and got caught. I think had Corey Sanhagen treated the fight, with Aljamain Sterling, with the respect it should have had, based on the repercussions it would have potentially had either way, we would be in a very, very different situation right now than we currently are. I don't believe Aljamain Sterling is nearly worth the fucking hype that the world keeps trying to fucking put on him for some reason. I don't by any stretch of the imagination think Piotr Yan is infallible and is any type of Uh, Shevchenko-esque champion by any stretch of the imagination. I think there are several guys in the top of that division who will give him very big problems and could be very good potential fights. But before we can get there, we have to deal with this fucking overhyped soup can that has lucked himself into this situation here. Uh, The funk master himself has weaseled his way up to a title shot, and I think it's going to end poorly for him. He has basically made it known that he is going to try to wrestle fuck Piotr Jan because he knows that that is one of his weaknesses. Um to put it mildly, we have seen recently that trying to wrestle a guy who knows you're coming in to wrestle doesn't end well to say the least. Uh, let alone a guy who carries as much fucking power at 135 pounds as Piotr Jan does. And when you have a bad habit of leaning your head down before you shoot anyway, like Aljamain Sterling has had for six fucking years now, you make yourself a big fucking target, especially when you tell someone, that's what I'm going to do. I think the Funkmaster gets put to fucking sleep before we see the end of the second round. I don't think he belongs here, and I think he gets shown that in less than 10 minutes. I think Sterling's
3: asleep before the third round. I like where your head's at there. Aljamain Sterling has done only one thing since he's been in the UFC, either decision victories or a few submissions, and not very many submissions. He is the decision machine. He's not as good as what everybody thinks he is. I think he's an honest one-trick pony. He's a great fucking grappler. I will give credit where credit is, due. He's a fantastic grappler. But once past that, there's not a lot for him to offer. Yans, he's came in here fucking hot and heavy. There's a reason why Pityan's only been in the UFC for this will be his. This year will be his fifth year in the UFC, if I remember correctly. Because he had one fight in 2016, and then there was like a year break or something like that. And then he got a couple more rolling, and that's when we see him become champion. And then, and yeah, He had visa issues for a little
0: while, is, yeah. is how they explained it. He had, quote-unquote, visa issues.
3: So, it, either way it goes, though. There's a reason why he's made it to champ for it so quickly, as I mean, Sterling's been in the UFC since UFC 170. There's almost been a hundred, almost, we're um, 11 shy of a hundred fucking paid per views since Aljamain Sterling has gotten into the UFC. That's fucking absolute crazy that it's taken him this long to get to a title fight because you decision your way to it by wrestle fucking the shit out of people. It's not looking good, man. It's not looking good. The only good thing I will say about Aljamain Sterling is I like who he's training with. That old Long Island New Yorker, man. If it wasn't for him, he'd have no respect on his name. That's it. That's the only credit I can give him. Because You got Ally Quinta back there helping you. That's about the best thing you have going for you.
0: That and if you saw the embedded episode, uh, the guy standing on the fucking ladder like a lunatic with the drill in his hand,
1: Marab!
3: oh, yeah, that's
0: right. Marab's there, I forgot about that.
3: <laughs>
0: Him yeah. standing on the ladder is worth that episode watching alone, in my opinion.
3: <laughs> yeah, fucking that. I don't think Sterling has a snowball's chance to no. know. Unless for some odd reason, Vichy decides, oh, he's not going for takedowns and just lets him have one. But we know he's, that's what he's going to do. So Jan should be more than fucking ready.
2: So the way I look at this is Sterling on paper looks like a good fighter. On paper was a good fighter. You can run back to his 2014 debut in, in, in the UFC to his very last fight, which was San Hagen. Paper, he, he has a very impressive win-to-loss ratio. The only downfall is, whenever you take a deep dive, not even a deep dive, you just look at who he's fighting and who he's getting W's on, is there is literally fucking nobody. Like, You're fucking mediocre at best on a good day. And whenever he did get pushed up to say, hey, we're giving you this opportunity. Here's fucking uh, Cincio or fucking Go, Go do something with them. He gets fucking put to sleep quick as fuck. So that shows that he chokes under pressure. He's not as good as what he says he is. He's not as good as everybody thinks he is because he's fighting fucking nobodies. And he's getting a name on fucking soup cans. The only the only notable W that he has was Sandhagen, and Sandhagen was he was fucking gassing himself up, which you don't do as a fucking professional athlete. You just don't do that. You don't have to be a UFC fighter or an MMA fighter in general. As a professional athlete, you just don't fucking do that because you slip and fuck up and you lose. exactly what happened to Sandhagen. Altramaine Sterling is 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 becoming notable on fighting fucking nobodies. Yan tore apart the division tooth and nail going against the best and the best and fucking murdering people. That's what he's doing. That's what he that's what he did and that's what he's gonna continue to do until we actually get somebody that's notable in there to challenge him. Algernane Sterling isn't that. I don't even think it's gonna be it's gonna be going into a third run. I'm thinking Algernon Sterling is getting a fucking beautiful, beautifully timed uppercut in middle of the second, mid, late second round. Algernon Sterling's going to sleep.
1: I
0: think it sounds pretty accurate. I think that sounds pretty close to how I think it's gonna go as well. Uh, moving along from there though that will bring us to our co-main event the second strap of strapaganza we have got going on this weekend here the ladies featherweight belt is on the line excuse me amanda nunez defending one of her two belts against megan anderson um i kind of feel like if they're going to do all three of these belts, they should have done it the other way around. They should have let the ladies go in the, the people's co-main, and then they should have put uh, Jan Sterling here. Uh, but I understand they're doing it by weight, and that's fair. I get it. Um, but I I feel like this fight might actually be shorter than the previous fight. And credit where credit is due, uh, Megan Anderson has taken her lumps and from every time she has had a bump in the road, she has done whatever she could to try and change her game to the extent that she literally took her last thousand dollars and every piece of clothes she owned threw it in a bag and flew from Australia to Missouri and uprooted her life to Kansas City to get James Krause to try and get her into fighting shape. And you know what? It might not have been easy, but there is a noticeable difference in her game since she has been under James Krause's tutelage. I absolutely will not deny that. And I will not take that from her in any way, shape, or form. She has noticeably gotten much better since she has been under Krause's toolage at glory MMA. The problem with that is even though she is better than she was, she's still not to the level that Amanda Nunez has shown that even on her bad nights, she can perform at, um, I am not the biggest fan of Amanda Nunez's style. I'm not the biggest fan of Amanda Nunez. Credit where credit's due. She is the lady goat. There is no denying that. She is the best living female MMA fighter in any fucking weight class right now, Period. Um, had the judges gone a little different way with her and Valentina's fights we might have a different discussion but the way things stand now Amanda is the pinnacle she is the bar that has been set and if you want to be considered great you've got to beat her to get there and so far nobody can fucking do it in two different divisions now the problem with that statement is that we are not talking about the bantamweight division where there is a fucking murderer's row of ladies just chomping at the bit to try and get at that strap. We're talking about the featherweight division. where now including the signing of Danielle Wolf, who will take on Felicia Spencer. There are seven women in the division. There literally is no competition. There is no reason for there to be a division, let alone a championship. There are so few ladies in that division that the UFC itself does not even recognize rankings for them. But here we are with another title fight for that division. And to be fair, Amanda Nunez has stopped every challenge they have given her at 145. And she has stopped every challenge they have given her at 135. My issue is that they are not giving her fucking challenges. I like Felicia Spencer, but she showed that she is not on Amanda Nunez's level. And I don't believe there is anyone else in that division. And I use that term loosely. That is better than Felicia Spencer right now. And we have already shown that she does not have what it takes to get through Amanda Nunez. She made her debut by beating the shit out of Megan Anderson very easily. And now Megan Anderson coming off of Felicia Spencer going five rounds with Amanda is stepping in thinking that she's going to be the one to make the difference here. And like I said, she has noticeably gotten much better since she's been in Kansas city, but I don't think she could have gained enough from where she was to be able to beat Amanda. I think she's going to give it a hell of an effort because to be fair, There are not many ladies as big as Megan Anderson is. There are very few ladies that are 6'3". And when she went to the face-off at the press conference today, she had some gigantic boots on. So she was legitimately like 13 and a half fucking feet tall. Amanda's not used to that. There's no way around it. But Megan is not as good with her range as she would need to be to give amanda the problems that she has to to be able to take that belt away from her i think that megan is going to put up a valiant fucking effort and she is going to come out there firing on all cylinders ready to do the best that she can but i don't think that that's going to be good enough against someone the likes of amanda nunez i i don't think this one goes the distance either um i do think this one goes a little bit longer than the the gentleman bantamweight fight i do think this one makes it till either late in the third maybe even early in the fourth i don't think we see the end of the fight here but i don't think this one goes as quickly either i think with her range and with her mobility and especially working under james kraus i think megan's going to be able to stay away from the power for a little while key word a little while i don't think she's going to be able to stay away from it forever and i think when it gets to that point that amanda really starts to turn it on I think it's, it's all over. I think once we see that switch click and Amanda puts the pedal to the floor, it's over. Uh, I think either late third, early fourth, but uh, I, I, I just don't see a way realistically that Megan Anderson can take this.
3: Yeah, I'm 100% on board on that um, for two reasons. One, Amanda Nunes is the GOAT for a fucking reason. She's literally stormed the castle, beat the brakes off of everybody who's fucking been put in front of her. Even the ones that had a good start. The Jermaine Durandeame fight where Jermaine Durandame was fucking her up until Amanda switched the game and decided they were going to play on the ground. Um I think this might be the same thing for Amanda Nunes here for this reason. Megan Anderson is still very wet behind the ears, but she's very good at managing her distance, using her length to her advantage. So I don't think we're going to see the power knockout. I think we're going to see the ground and pound finish for this fight because she's going to have to get Megan to the ground because I think Megan will manage distance very well. However, um, the other side of this, Megan's still green. She's only had five fights in the UFC. This is her third year in the UFC. She joined the UFC in two thousand and eighteen. Great, you get a title fight, but sad they're feeding you to the wolves. Because uh, to be honest, this is a, they're using this as cannon cannon fodder for Amanda Nunes, just so that way they can say they're trying to keep the featherweight, the women's featherweight division active. Look. I'm in the same mindset here. When you have this few of women at featherweight division, you have to do something else. You need to add more women to the division. There are plenty of female 145ers out there. They just haven't signed them yet. Maybe it's time that they do a um, go back to basics, I'll say and set up a fighter house for women's 145, let them all duke it out, see who gets uh, the good contract, maybe even title fight, something like that. you know, go a little old school. And then if you're seeing more out of these girls when it's that time, sign more than one of them, just give one the big contract and the rest of them shit contracts. But you know, whatever, you gotta add something to this division because otherwise we're gonna start getting um the rinse and repeat thing, not to mention Nunes' talk retirement. So this might be her, hey, we're going to let you go out with a retirement W thing here. Cause I mean, she doesn't have anything else left to prove. The only other fight that would make sense for her is if her and Valentina wanted to run it back at some point. Other than that, it's a fucking, there's nothing else for her to do. There's nobody in either division that I see beating her. Whether it's featherweight or bantamweight, it doesn't matter. She's still top of murderer's row there. Um, unfortunately, Megan, the only thing she's going to m- be able to do, manage distance, which this is where I think Amanda's going to play the takedown game and say, you know what? We're going to play on the fucking ground because there's no way that she's going to be able to get inside on with a, with ease. She'll be able to get inside but she's going to eat a couple on the way in just because Megan is very good at managing distance, but she's not great yet. Like I said, she's just wet behind the ears still. And give her, I say, give her a couple more years. She'll be a force. But I mean, yes, she's on a two fight win streak, but right now that doesn't mean dick at featherweight. I mean, you're literally fighting nobodies at this point because there's nobody in the division. So and this is just a, a free meal to the wolves, and possibly a free meal on the way out the door for Amanda Nunes if she decides to retire because she's been talking about it. So, and to be honest, wouldn't be mad if she did. However, with her um wife now signing, getting a fight um that could change her mind, you know. But we'll see.
2: The only way. I could see anything going well for Megan Anderson. Except there was a, this right here was a year in the future and she continued on the trajectory of her making progress every time you see her. It's the only way I could see anything going well for Megan Anderson.
3: Quite. I thought of one other way. Go for she it. Could win possibly via. TKO KO with a toe in the eye, like she did to Kat Zingano back in two thousand and eighteen. That's the only other way I can think of.
2: Other than that, I could. I honestly, this is gonna sound horrible. I can give two fucks less about this fight. This, like, it's. I've said it, twice in the last like, well, multiple times in the last like two months. Anytime we talk about the women's featherweight. The, women, the, 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 the women's weight is that there's just not enough going on in the division. They need to scrap either the entire fucking division or start kicking motherfuckers to the curb like they've been doing on the men's side of things. They just don't seem to be doing that on the women's side of things as much because they don't have enough people. If you don't have enough people, cut the fucking divisions. Like This is a pointless division. This is why I don't like, I, I could give a fuck less about this fight. This isn't a division. I don't care about it.
1: Okay.
0: Fucking technology. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, it's, it, it's almost insulting to call it a division with seven fucking people. Um, that I could tell you one thing, they would not let that fly with any other division on the men's side. They If they had seven guys at 155 pounds, we'd have featherweight, and then we'd have welterweight. We wouldn't have a fucking lightweight division. But, you know, Dana. But speaking of fucking Dana... Uh, That will bring us to our main event of the evening, the final strap that is on the line this weekend for UFC's 259. The headline main event, Jan Blachowicz defending the light heavyweight belt against the potential double champ, Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion moving up to contest the light heavyweight belt. I absolutely understand this fight being made and I understand it being made now based on Israel Adesanya spending his last two years saying that July of 2021, he's going to be moving up to light heavyweight. He originally said that he was going to be moving up for John Jones. And when John Jones said that he left, he said he was still coming up to take the light heavyweight belt that John wasn't the reason he was coming. The belt's the reason he was coming. Um, He moved up three different times prior to joining the UFC, uh, once in boxing, twice in kickboxing. Uh, So changing weight classes is not something that he is unfamiliar with. The difference here is that when you change weight classes in boxing, you just have a different size guy throwing punches at you. When you change weight classes in kickboxing, you have a different size guy throwing punches and kicks at you. The difference in power levels in MMA is vastly different to the power levels in any other combat sport. The threat of the takedown alone changes everything power-related. Israel is great at managing that power at middleweight. I understand that he walks around close to 200 pounds, which is good. If he decides that he wants to go to lightweight or light heavyweight, rather uh, that will benefit him because he won't have to worry about any weight cut. But just like we said with John Jones, when he started talking about going up to heavyweight, if you're going to do it and you're going to add that much weight, you need to do it properly because that's not something that you can half-ass. If you play in a bigger division, you get Luke Rockholded. I am a big Israel Adesanya fan at middleweight. I don't think he is big enough to be able to go back and forth between light heavyweight and middleweight like he says that he wants to be able to do because he said he's not going to bulk up he's going to stay at his walk around weight and just not cut anything to make light heavyweight which should put him coming in around 203 ish but even then i guarantee you jan blohovich does not walk around at 205 pounds That man is a fucking beast. You don't have that kind of legendary Polish power when you're fighting at your walk-around weight at 205. That man is big. And I know he doesn't cut a ton of weight, but I know that he cuts weight. And there's a different level of power when you cut to 205 than when you walk at 205. When you walk at 205 and you fight at 185, you carry a good amount of power at middleweight. Jan is carrying a similar level of power at light heavyweight that I don't think Adesanya really understands. And I don't think it's his fault. I I would say if there's anything to point the blame at, it's the fact that city kickboxing primarily focuses on smaller guys. There aren't a lot, if there are any that I can think of heavyweights at City Kickboxing. I think Izzy is literally one of the biggest guys there. The vast majority of their roster are lightweights, featherweights, and bantamweights. They just don't have big guys for Izzy to have been tested against like a Jan Blahovich. And I think he's going to make it very interesting because they don't call him the last style bender for no reason. He has a literal one-of-a-kind style. But... But there is a whole different realization when that Polish power connects. And I don't care what your style is, I don't care how good your gas tank is, that Polish power changes fights instantly. And we have seen some of the greatest of the great step into that octagon, cocky as shit, and realize all too late it's not a joke. It's not a gimmick. It's not hype. The Polish power is real. I like Israel Adesanya. I really do. I think he has a legitimate great future at middleweight, but I don't think he has what it takes to get past Jan Blachowicz. I think he thinks Jan Blachowicz is much more one-dimensional than he really is. Jan Blachowicz is also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu to Israel's purple belt that he's been bragging about. Jan Blahovic was also a boxer, much like Israel Adesanya that he seems to forget. Jan Blachowicz is the light heavyweight champion. Israel's coming into his world and I don't think he is putting that all together. I think he's playing this in his head like Blahovic is coming to him and that's very much not the fight that we are going to see Saturday night we are seeing Israel Adesanya step into Jan Blahovic's world. And I think he's doing it on the wrong way. I think he's doing it all the wrong way. And I think he's going to realize that when it's far too late. I think it's going to be a good match. But I think Jan Blachowicz, again, round three.
3: I'll say it out loud. From the day that this fight was made, I didn't like it. Fucking hate it. Fucking stupid. I think um, there's better fights to make for the light heavyweight division for the strap. I respect Israel Adesanya. I'm a fan of Israel Adesanya. However, this jumping the line bullshit that we're seeing lately is fucking terrible. So... The one thing I will respect about this the most, Israel Adesanya said he was coming for John Jones this year. John Jones left the division before this fight was fucking made. Why? Why was this made then? The only fight that made sense in this division for Israel to be in was the John Jones fight. After that, there is no other reason for him to be fucking put here. Absolute trash matchmaking at its fucking finest. But it'll sell pay-per-views and then we can um, start talking goat status for Israel Asanya if he wins. Well, hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but everybody who has decided to jump to 185 recently, or from 185 to 205, excuse me, has had to fight... Jan Blahovich, And every fucking one of them goes nighty-night. This is a bad thing for two reasons. You're putting a fantastic champ at 185 at risk of fucking up their career by getting liced out. This could permanently fuck his chin. So moving forward... Anybody who catches him puts him cold the fuck out. This could have if this fight happened before he and fucking Kelvin Gastelum had fought, that fight would have went a totally different way. Is what I'm saying here is I think he they're going. What's going to happen? I'm gonna say it. Blahovich is going to KO him in a bad way. And that is going to make Adasanya's chin very fucking suspect. Because you get hit with that much force at 205 with somebody who's been just KO and 185ers that think that they want to come to 205. It's not a good look. Don't get me wrong. Adesanya has a puncher's chance, and he is good enough to stick and move. And yeah, he might have a little speed on Blahovich look, the speed at 205 don't pay the bills. It's the power at 205 that pays the fucking bills. Speed only gets you so far. And the only reason that John Jones was able to do that for so long, he had speed and power. This is not fucking Adesanya's world at 205. And I respect him, but I think this was not a poor career choice for him. This was poor career choice for the UFC for him. So I think he's going to end up getting hurt and it's going to fuck up the 185 pound vision is to where it should rightfully be. Not to mention, this takes away all possibility of him being a goat should he get knocked out. Because this will always be that asterisk of, oh, you couldn't fucking hack it at 205. To be honest, I wish he would have just stayed at 185. However, you can't become the GOAT without taking risks outside of the division that you're grading. So I understand that. But I don't think he has enough to get past the Polish power. Not to mention, I don't think he has the power to fucking knock out Jan Blachowicz. I just don't think he has it. Will he put up a good fight for a little while? Yeah, but he's gonna end up sleeping, and I don't want to see that. If he gets slept, I want to see him get slept at one eighty-five, not two hundred five. It's not that I want to see him get slept, anyways, but it—it's just not a good look for him. And don't get me wrong, he can win this fight. Do I think it's something he's going to do? No. Are the Vegas odds makers right right now? Fuck no. I'll say it outright. Adesanya loses this fight and he's going to get slept. And what realm, I don't know. It could be in the second. It could be in the first. It could be in the third. Fuck, it might even be in the fourth. But I don't see, we, we're we not getting to the finish line on this fight. This is going to be in early night. Um, probably if we go off, uh, let's let's go this route. If we go based off of the time average time spent in the cage by Jan, we'll see it inside of three it won't make it to the fourth because his average cage time, if I'm not mistaken, is somewhere around the 12 minute mark. But I, i mean, 1201. What? 12.01. So Oop. yeah, right on the money. Nice. But yeah, it for fucking Adesanya. I, I'm, I'm more upset because of what I think this could do to Adesanya's career. I mean, if he wins, it does great things for his career. But with the high possibility of him losing this fight and losing it in a knockout fashion, I think it could fuck up his 185 pound because once you get knocked out, that's diminishing returns. And I don't want to see diminishing returns on a great 185 pound champ because that gives everybody in 185 a lot better chance. Not that I don't want to see great fights at 185, but I also want to see him GOAT status a la Anderson Silva. But, you know, here we fucking are throwing him into a fucking bad place that I just don't like. I just don't like the odds of it. Don't get me wrong. Fight's still going to be good, but it's I'm not happy with it. I'm not fucking happy at all. Not to mention, I think this is a slap in the face, though, Jan Bojovic, because he has to fight somebody coming up again because they've made him the 185-pound gatekeeper. Stop this bullshit. Let the man enjoy the fucking 205 reign and see what he can do with it at 205. Although I will say, Adesanya you better watch out for those fucking body kicks.
2: So I just want to touch something that Meter talked about uh, whenever he was discussing this. As, I, as this is something that I have experienced over the last two years of my pro-am MMA fighting career. Um, or as Dana would say, career. Um, uh, I have moved weight class not once, but twice. I have gone from being a 120-pound fighter, uh, fucking gaining weight to fight at 135, to moving up to 145, to as of my last three fights being a 155-pound fighter. Um, The only fucking benefit of being close to that walk-around weight that you're fighting at is gas tank is is noticeably better if you're fighting close to that like i like i am roughly in that 145 150 range during quarantine if i had to gain that 10 pounds that wouldn't be much to add that'd be very easy during camp for just heavy lifting adding muscle mass that'd be extremely easy i'm not i'm not doing any weight cuts not doing any water cuts gas tank's still there extremely agile uh movement still there your head's still there because you're not dehydrated that's your only fucking advantage that's it whenever you get into the power aspect you're fucked i've experienced that firsthand you're you whenever you whenever you get hit like whenever I moved from 135 to 145, the first time I got hit, I'm like, oh, hey, I need to not do this. I need, to, I need to not get hit in the fucking face. That hurt a little bit more than what I'm used to. And the same thing whenever I moved from 145 to 155, that hurt. Whenever you're moving from 185 to 205, that's a fuck of a, of a leap from what I was doing was adding 10 fucking pounds. Always going up a, a, a ten pound class, you're you're fucking your leaps and bounds up from where you you're fighting. That power advantage is vastly fucking different from one thirty five to one fifty five. That power advantage is vastly different. Power advantage instantly goes to Blahovich. The only the only advantage that Izzy's gonna have is agility, movement, and gas tank. That's it. That's all you have. You get you get clipped one decent time, not even a good one. You just get clipped with something that would make make anybody else in the light heavyweight division take a step back. You're going to fuck to sleep because the power the power dip difference. You're going to sleep. I I will agree to to a T to what TJ said. I didn't like it did I understand the, the business aspect? Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand that the, 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 the business side of this, it's selling pay-per-views it's given Izzy, you know, what he wanted, what he said he wanted to do, which make, which is make a run at two Oh five. You're giving him that opportunity. I totally understand that and totally respect it. I respect it more of Izzy was saying that he wants to fight John Jones, Jones leave, but you're still going to, you're still taking the the, the the step to 205 you're you're being a man of your words and saying that you are gonna take a step to 205 I I, res- I very much so still respect that even though John isn't here anymore do I think you have a chance absolutely do I think you're gonna win not in fucking any way that anybody else could imagine because you get clipped by a decent shot from Blahovich you're going the fuck to sleep. Point blank period. Um and then Izzy will try and get that redacted like he did the one guy that he fought and turned it had it overruled and turned it into an exhibition match because wasn't sanctioned, although it was just in you know where he's from. It was a sanctioned match but he still has a 20 no record by the way he got he, he got knocked out um, but uh Blachowicz has is taking us there's no way that you could say he's not looking at 20 and 1 uh i think
0: i think that Israel is really underestimating Blahovich here and i think that that is a very very dangerous game for for multiple reasons Uh, but I I will say this I I think Israel is going to make it very interesting because both he and Blahovich will go forward this isn't going to be a situation we saw like with Romero or like with half the fucking Costa fight where he's you know fighting a standing fucking stiff board in the center of the octagon Jan's not afraid to fucking push forward and the biggest thing I think is going to make the difference here is that while Izzy's not afraid to get into an exchange, one of his biggest problems that I've seen is that he, when the moment gets down and it's really in the thick of it, he is a little too willing to take one to give one. And we saw a great example of that in the Gastelum fight. That's the closest we've ever come to seeing Izzy flat out get stopped. And it was a lot of the times because... He got a little too in the moment and was too willing to take one to give one thinking that he was going to land the better shot. And as many, many, many fighters have said many times, it's the one you don't see coming that usually puts you on your ass. And in that fight, Izzy ate a bunch that he didn't see coming because he wanted to get in there and he was willing to take one to give one. And if he does that with Blahovich, it's, it's over. It's over because Jan's got a chin and that Polish power is unlike anything Israel Adesanya has felt up until now. And I know that people gave him shit for having pillow hands and being just a skinny boy and all that bullshit. And I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that they don't call it legendary Polish power because he hits a couple of guys pretty hard once in a while. But there's no way to know for sure how that's going to play out. Unless you tune in Saturday night, because that's the way MMA works. But before we get out of here, I do want to take just a moment and thank everybody for tuning in. Whether you are here with us live, I see you and fuck you Google moderator team, you suck my ass. Um, Thank you to everyone who is catching this on the all audio version. In case you didn't know, we do this live on YouTube every Thursday night. You can come check us out there. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube and you don't want to deal with these mugs, I understand. Anchor.fm slash I am no Joe for the all audio format version of this show. And you ain't got to deal with this, which I don't blame you. I have mirrors. Um, But before we get out of here, I do want to take just a moment here and thank these fine folks for jumping in and taking part in this shit show of a shenanigan re stravaganza we have put on for you, fine folks. So at this point, if someone wants to know what your routine is training to solidify to unify if you will the coveted purple strap status rj how can they get a hold of you after the show
2: well if you want to know that you can always reach me over at RJMMAOfficial official on instagram although i am uh i'm planning as fresh as of moving here pretty soon um looking to go home looking to go back to my people the the florida family um uh i have a couple of surprises in store whenever i get home that can make that make this whole interim new guy like go away because i have uh, those gold belts uh hanging up on my wall uh not a not a watch hey well thank you for your
0: time sir much appreciated so with that being said uh, at this point, if someone would like to know the best place now that it's starting to warm up and the snow is starting to melt for them to get some fried cheese curds and maybe start safe distancingly meandering towards Kenosha and look for a sighting or two, how could they get a hold of you after the show to get a little information, TJ?
3: Wednesday nights, right here on the YouTubes, 9.30 Central Time. Um, you guys adjust for whatever fucking time zone you're in because I'm not doing it for you. But yeah, I'll gladly give you directions You can hit me up on the Instagrams if you need to Gladly talk some shit with you But yeah It's definitely that time of year You can definitely do it safely without getting Fucking trench foot, that's for sure
0: Thank you very much for your time, sir. Always appreciate it. Forgot to cut the balls. Uh, But we are going to call that all for this particular episode here. So again, thank you to everyone who tuned in live. Thank you to everyone who catches this on a replay. We appreciate you all just the same. Uh, If you appreciate what we do around here, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Make sure you hit that little notification bell so you don't miss an episode of what we do around here. On the other hand, if you think we're just a couple of dipshits who keep letting some kid come in and talk shit, go ahead and give us a thumbs down we earned it and we won't dispute it but that being said we are going to call that all for tonight's episode so until next time folks don't let ignorance stop you you can root for anything unless you think that your martial arts is better than a meridote